The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Former US President Donald Trump will be formally charged at a court hearing later on this morning on charges of plotting to overturn the 2020 election defeat. Trump already faces two other criminal cases as he campaigns for the White House next year. Meanwhile, yesterday, his own vice president, Mike Pence, disavowed his former president in a quite forceful fashion. I really do believe that uh, anyone who puts themselves over the Constitution should never be president of the United States. And anyone who asks someone else to put themselves over the Constitution should never be president of the United States again. What the president maintained that day, and frankly has said over and over again over the last two and a half years, is completely false. And and it's contrary to what our Constitution and the laws of this country provide. I dismissed it out of hand, but sadly the president was surrounded by a group of crackpot lawyers that kept telling him what his itching ears wanted to hear. Quite forceful at last from Mike Pence. But will all of that stick or will the Teflon Don's base be galvanised yet again? I'm joined by law lecturer at the School of Law on the University of Galway, Larry Donnelly. Larry, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, the word unprecedented is being used all the time in relation to Trump and this particular indictment, but it is appropriate. I, I think so. When you look at what's laid out uh, in the indictment in rather excruciating detail, it's hard not to say so. I mean, uh, we, these are facts that I think were pretty much in the public domain uh, already. But when you see them gathered together and when you see them put in such stock turns and shaped into the form of a criminal indictment, they're quite stock when you look at the behavior both of the president and of his uh, six uh, co-conspirators who aren't identified by name in the indictment but are listed there and, and what they did in states like Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, even as they knew um, that Donald Trump had not won the election, the efforts that they brought to bear upon uh, elected officials, including some allies uh, in those states, uh, is quite remarkable. And to me, uh, it's a very, very damning uh, case they have against pre- former President Trump. Now, we'll talk about how that is viewed in Republican circles in a moment. But what is interesting about this is this about is about activities which were conducted by Trump while still president in the interregnum between losing the election and Joe Biden being sworn in. Whereas Stormy Daniels, that happened before he was elected president and Mar-a-Lago happened after he was defeated in the presidency. This one is about something he did while occupying the highest office. Yes, that, that's, that's true. And at one level, that makes it uh, even more disheartening. Uh, at another level, uh, he and his lawyers may argue that uh, because he was acting as president, that the remedy for uh, something done while uh, as a man is serving as president is impeachment. It's not uh, through criminal sanctions. So that is one yet, yet another layer uh, of complexity uh, that's involved in all this. But uh, ironically, I think one of the questions uh, that has been posed by uh, a conservative, uh, I think answers the question in terms of potential criminal liability here for the former president. And that is, can a person of average intelligence grasp what conduct is forbidden? And I think if that's put to a jury and these facts are laid out to a jury, uh, I think the answer is going to be quite obvious that yes, uh, this conduct is, or at least should be, uh, in the minds of any right-thinking person, pro- should be prohibited, uh, especially from someone who is then president of the United States. 
Now, this would be a guy in charge of the nuclear codes, making decisions about uh, wars in far-flung parts of the world, uh, domestic policy and so on. His defence, according to one of his lawyers, is that, well, he was just following legal advice. What say you? Yeah, I think that's that's crazy. I think that again, uh, that's you know that's no doubt as well as free speech that this is going to be something he did. He pursued uh, upon legal advice, specifically uh, upon the legal advice of John Eastman, who, who was this kind of you know I, I suppose rather kooky at this stage uh, constitutional lawyer who told him that you could do all these things when it comes to fake electors and there was room for all of this and this was all done pursuant to legal advice. Again, I just don't see uh, any merit to uh, that argument. I think the application of common sense really, uh, I think, vitiates that as well as uh, what's laid bare in the in the indictment, which is that over and over again, Trump was told by just about everybody else, just about every other lawyer uh, he spoke to said, no, look, you have lost the election. There is nothing that can be done here. Uh, yet going off on the advice of one, again, radical uh, lawyer whose advice really doesn't make any sense. Uh, I just can't see that cutting the mustard. Mm. So this business of that he knowingly did this or knowingly did that, um, they might try to argue that he didn't really know he lost the election. He believed to the contrary. You don't believe that'll hold water. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the one argument that they put forward. That there's no evidence that uh, Donald Trump actually knew uh, of, uh, you know, that he had lost the election. And, I th- and uh, against that, uh, I think that, you know, uh, that, that Jack Smith and his team will point to an instance where uh, Donald Trump spoke to uh, an aide and said uh, on a foreign policy matter and said, look, uh, you know, that's not for us. That's for the next guy coming in. They'll point to that as an acknowledgement that Donald Trump did know. Uh, but look, uh, I think when it comes to, you know, asking people to believe uh, that Donald Trump didn't know he had lost the election when, again, he was told such uh, by everyone of every credible person that he spoke to, it's almost akin to an insanity defense, if anything else. He also remarked to, to someone in uh, the White House, Biden is on a television screen, the office is on the E, he says, how did I lose to that guy? Um, <laughs> which seems to concede, however informally, that he recognized that he had lost. So um, there's another legal problem coming down the tracks, one that would not be remedied were he to uh, achieve the highest office yet again, because he could pardon himself if he got into the highest office of all federal crimes. And that is what is alleged against him in Georgia, which would be a state crime, and he cannot forgive himself state crimes. Yeah, and, and you know that that's that that's in some some of our observers view that as such to be the most dangerous because of the reasons you outline. Uh, and in that instance, and, and again, the Georgia DA uh, seems to be very close to issuing her own indictment. In that, we have the so-called smoking gun. In that, pre- there's a recording of President Trump effectively saying, uh, "You know, we need you need to find me eleven thousand votes." Uh, or words to that effect, which again is a pretty damning comment. But my my suspicion were when that is that when that comes to trial, uh, Trump's lawyers again will say that this is the sort of whimsical uh, flights of fancy uh, that Donald Trump were pro- was prone to, uh, that such comment was protected by the First Amendment, et cetera, et cetera, and that he had the right to say uh, all these sorts of things. So uh, again, this is you know it's all very murky here, Pat, uh, and you know it, it blends a lot of uh, I suppose 
constitutional and legal and political nuances uh, all at once. And that's why what we open with this idea that this is unprecedented, we're in uncharted waters, is absolutely correct. Uh, And legal pundits and political pundits who are saying with any degree of certainty that they know where this is headed, they're wrong. Nobody can know. Now, the charge that uh, Joe Biden has politicized the Department of Justice, and we know this is not a a real belief in the heart of many Republicans. This is simply, uh, you know, a political charge in itself. Um, But still, the effect on the ordinary public who are not in the hurly-burly of partisan politics in Washington is to suggest that the state is broken. I I think so. And I I think, unfortunately, a lot of Americans already believe that and have believed that for some time. I think that's partly why Donald Trump uh, was elected in the first place. And for a a significant cadre of Americans, uh, they will not even look or, or hear of Uh, Some of the things that are being the very serious uh, allegations that are being leveled at Donald Trump because they believe that things like the deep state are inherently corrupt uh, and all of that and that Donald Trump is their man and that he uh, for having the guts to stand up to the deep state and for having the guts uh, to talk to people who've been left behind in middle America that this is somehow all the revenge uh, of people in Washington D.C. of the establishment against him, uh, and they won't be moved. I mean, that's a and that's a substantial cadre uh, of the American citizenry, uh, and that's what Donald Trump is really dependent upon. There also is another group who I think uh, are, are more significant in terms of Donald Trump's chances uh, of defeating Joe Biden uh, next November, and, and and those are the people who you know may have taken a punt on Donald Trump, who may have been disenchanted, but look at all of this and say. We just can't have uh, a president of the United States uh, again who brought us through all that drama and now look at all of this stuff and look at all of the stuff that's been laid bare. In particular, I think, uh, in this indictment, which shows how little our institutions, our traditions, our laws uh, mean to Donald Trump, who was so desperate to hold on to power. Um, How do you feel as an American abroad uh, about what this seems to be saying about a huge number of your fellow citizens. You know that old uh, saying, uh, they attributed it to various different people, but the notion that you'll never go broke underestimating the intelligence of the American public. And it does seem like a huge cadre of people cannot see the wood for the trees, a man who bankrupted himself several times and others several times, who ran a fake university, who paid off a hooker, who who did so, did so many other things that would make any electorate feel ashamed of the person occupying that office. But yet almost half the Americans don't feel that way. It's deeply, deeply disappointing, um, but to me, uh, it's not really surprising. Uh, the reality is, if you look at the opinion polling for the past 10 to 15 years, when it comes to America, I mean, what are the things that, that in, in particular, Irish people have always associated with America? It's a spirit of optimism. It's a sense of can-doism. It's a sense of deep patriotism. If you look at the opinion polling, all three of those uh, are desperately on the wane, and uh, a significant 
significant majority of Americans believe uh, that the, the country's best days are behind it, uh, that the American dream is dead. Uh, and uh, for an awful lot of those people, it's down to uh, the intertwined forces of globalization uh, and technology that has left them behind. It is down to uh, a collective darkening of the American skin complexion with which they are deeply uncomfortable. It is due to advances uh, and rights for uh, minority groups. Uh, it is due to a move left uh, on the culture wars. To them, the America they always knew, as they always knew it, that's gone. And because Donald Trump speaks to them and promises them falsely uh, that he can lead them back to an America that once was, to make America great again, because he spoke to them, they are willing to overlook just about everything else. And they buy into his line that there is just such implacable opposition to what he's doing that they will resort to anything. That is the deep state. And that's why we are where we are right now. Uh, and that's really what lays fundamental fundamentally uh, at the heart of all of this when you break down all the political considerations, et cetera, et cetera. It is that sentiment that is so deep within the United States and it's profoundly sad. Finally, Larry, what will happen today? He will show up. He'll show up. He, you know, again, I think he's, he seems to get some sort of perverse uh, enjoyment uh, from this. He'll be arraigned uh, in Washington, D.C., He'll say that he can't get a fair trial there. There are already reports that uh, he may seek to get this moved to West Virginia. Uh, but, you know, he'll be arraigned today. And, you know, again, it's just another proceeding that's going to kick off uh, among many others that are going to be swirling around him for the, for, for the foreseeable future. And we'll keep asking ourselves the question, will this make any difference to his approval ratings within the Republican Party? Larry Donnelly, law lecturer at the University of Galway, political columnist with the journal.ie. Larry, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Pat. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.